0: Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges, and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory, and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our latest episode of the Trading Streets podcast, focusing on competition law. My name is Han Deng, and I'm a counsel of the Transportation Industry Group at Reed Smith in New York. I'm here today with my colleagues and leading experts in competition law, Marjorie Holmes and Ross McKenzie. Marjorie is a partner of our global regulatory enforcement group in London, and she focuses on competition law in several sectors, including aviation, marine, insurance, construction, energy, life sciences, and finance sectors. Ross is also a partner of our global regulatory enforcement group in London, who specializes in all aspects of UK and EU competition law, including complex merger cases, antitrust, and market investigations. Thank you both for joining us today. You are here to talk about the new national security legislation that the UK has introduced. Uh, Marjorie, can I kick off by asking
2: you to give our listeners an overview of the new rules? Of course. The new National Security Investment Act has already gone through Parliament, but it becomes fully effective January 2022, and it creates a regime allowing the UK government to intervene in transactions where not only is a company being acquired, but also where minority shareholdings are being acquired, and importantly, also when certain assets are being purchased. It's always been the case the UK have had the powers to intervene for national security reasons. But the difference with this new legislation is it makes it compulsory for the transaction parties to bring the transaction to the attention of the government, So it's going to make it mandatory in certain sectors to get pre-clearance before you can close a transaction. And it's not up to the parties to decide whether it's an issue of national security. It's up to the government. So mandatory filings is the big difference.
1: So you mentioned that some transactions will require pre-closing clearance from the UK government. Now I would like to turn to Ross. What sort of deals will be in this category?
3: So there are 17 specific sectors of the economy uh, where this mandatory regime is going to apply. They're fairly broad ranging, so there's a recognition that uh, national security in the modern world isn't just about you know guns and tanks and military equipment, but extends to cyber security. So sectors within the regime include cryptography and artificial intelligence, computing hardware, advanced robotics. There's a, a very wide range of technology companies captured. And then there's a a range of other businesses which are important for the security of the UK's critical infrastructure and other key government suppliers. So in the energy sector, the regime focuses on businesses owning or operating effectively all parts of the UK's electricity and gas markets, uh, both upstream and downstream. In transport, the regime covers various infrastructure and facility assets, particularly within ports, terminals, harbours and airports, where those are you know, directly related to the movement of freight and passengers. I mean, it's worth just kind of emphasising these 17 sectors, they're the areas where mandatory notification is required, but the government isn't restricted in calling in deals outside those sectors if there is a real national security concern.
1: Uh, I see. It sounds like there are at least a couple of those 17 categories that are potentially relevant to our listeners. So what is the process going to be to get clearance when this is needed?
3: Yes, the UK government has set up a new governmental body called the Investment Screening Unit, whose job it will be to uh, carry out the, the screening and administrative side of the review process, um, although it, it remains with the relevant UK government minister to make the ultimate decision as to whether or not there is a public interest concern and whether or not to intervene. As with all good regulatory regimes, of course, there is a notification form that has to be completed with information about the transaction, more information probably about the acquirer, and the, the sensitive industries in which the, the target is active. Once that's been submitted, um, the standard process is 30 working days, so six weeks for the government to decide whether or not to call the deal in for a detailed review. In, in cases where there is a detailed review, you'll be looking at probably three to six months, so a pretty lengthy timeframe. I think it's worth emphasizing getting it right is going to be pretty important, making the call to, to notify where it's required, because the sanctions for getting uh, it wrong and failing to notify where you're required include voidness of the transaction, but also potentially civil and even criminal penalties, so fines or you know, possibly imprisonment for individuals where deals that should have been notified aren't. So there's some pretty, pretty serious sanctions for getting it wrong.
1: Thank you, Roz. Obviously, the regime is new. But, Marjorie, do you have any insights into how likely it is that deals, particularly in the shipping and energy industries, are likely to be subject to a detailed review and potentially opposed by the government?
2: Yes, I, we have had a number of occasions already to talk to the new unit for a number of different sectors. I think it's very important to distinguish between the need to file, which is mandatory and those situations where the government are going to do a detailed review or indeed oppose an acquisition. They've made it clear that they've got a very wide net. They're expecting to have a lot of queries. They're expecting to have filings, but not many of them will go to a detailed review. But I thought I could give you a few examples of ones that could go to a detailed review. If we go to uh, DP World, which is a Dubai state-owned company, DP World in 2005 wanted to buy some ports in the US, it was strongly discouraged from buying ports in the US at that time in 2005, but the UK welcomed DP World, so DP World now owns Southampton Terminal. It also has massive investment in the London Gateway Terminal, so DP World were welcomed into the UK. Certainly that would require a mandatory filing if it was to happen now. And possibly, if DP World were to to acquire a third port, having already got significant interest in two, that may well trigger a detailed review. Wouldn't necessarily mean it would be opposed because the government can order certain remedies, including things like requiring UK directors on the board. But that's an example of something that may give rise to a detailed review. Maybe more difficult, but another example is we acted for OOCL, it's a Hong Kong shipping company, listed Hong Kong shipping company that owned a terminal in Long Beach in, the, in L.A. Costco acquired OOCL and we acted for them, so we got merger clearance in both Europe and in the U.S. relatively easily. But the U.S. ordered that Costco, the new owner, divest itself of the terminal in L.A., if that was to happen in the UK you might have a detailed review but the indication from the unit is that they want to encourage investment it won't necessarily be the case that they will block new investment so it's a fine balance they want new investment they will only oppose what they regard as hostile investment another area where they may do a detailed review would take us back to the old days of golden shares back in 2003 the government had the right to block the acquisition by any party of a substantial holding in Heathrow Airport. They were told that that golden share had to go because it was contrary to European law, free movement of capital. But it's the kind of place where if a minority shareholding was to seek to acquire Heathrow, the government might well do a detailed review. They wouldn't necessarily block it, but they would do a detailed review. The actual cases that we've had, which do relate to the energy sector, would indicate that they do want investment. They are looking for only hostile investment. And we had an occasion where we were talking about an American company buying another American company where only 6% of the business related to the UK, but they had UK contracts. So that made that a mandatory filing if it was done today or, or January 2022. They made it clear that whilst the filing would be required, they wouldn't foresee any reason why they would do a detailed review or block it. So, the, the bottom line is we need to encourage new investment in the UK. Don't exaggerate the amount of opposition we'll get, but it is absolutely crucial to do the filing because if you don't file, as Ros has mentioned, the uh, sanctions for not doing so are very significant indeed. I see. Thank you, Marjorie. So the UK is not
1: alone in its new rules uh, addressing national security and foreign investment. I'm sure some of our listeners will have come across the regimes in places like the US, Canada, and Australia. So perhaps both of you can share some insights here. Uh, are you seeing any
2: other new developments in this area? Yes, there's about 60 jurisdictions around the world now that have uh, foreign direct investment regimes in place and we have a very detailed database that we're now using alongside our merger control database the jurisdictions include places like japan and also china we know that america have had a regime in place also for a very long time as well as australia and canada Uh, but now we've had the pandemic i think people are more sensitive to the fact that we rely on other jurisdictions in ter- terms of our supply chain, and it may be that it will be implemented more often. Ros, would you like to add?
3: Yeah, so in, in Europe, there's been quite a lot of development over the last couple of years. So the European Union put in place a new supranational regime, so the EU level, called the Foreign Investment Screening Regime. That came into force in October 2020 and was designed to coordinate European responses where there were kind of major acquisitions by overseas companies in Europe. Uh, As well as that, a a number of European countries have now either introduced new foreign investment or national security regimes or have strengthened the rules that they previously had in place. So both France and Germany have, have very recently extended their previous regimes to bring in other sectors. You know, this, as I was Talking about in relation to the UK, you know, the recognition that that things that are potentially against national interest are broader now than military and dual use goods and and go into all manner of other areas. The Netherlands uh, is in the process of passing and putting into force a new regime, which will be quite similar, actually, in many ways, but looks of it, to the UK uh, regime. Yes, as with uh, everything that I'm sure your listeners do in international trade, doing deals is not going to involve less red tape in the future, uh, unfortunately, but but more.
1: Oh, that's a potentially complex matrix of rules to navigate. So, Ross, do you have any tips for listeners about how best to ensure a smooth ride?
3: Yeah so I think awareness is is obviously a, a key factor with with any form of you know regulatory requirements or filings that might be required on a transaction understanding early what the potentially applicable regimes are and importantly also what the risks and timing implications of those regimes might be is is critical really to to structuring the deal and also to making sure that, that all sides understand you know, how long it's going to get, take to get through to closing. It, particularly in the foreign investment and national security regime, because of the involvement of governments, quite a lot of regimes have long and in some cases just open-ended timeframes for the government to decide whether to intervene. So it's obviously helpful if everyone starts on the same page understanding how long that process might take. As Marjorie mentioned earlier, there are going to be relatively few cases where there is going to be a serious substantive uh, national security or foreign investment concern, and that will probably be evident to the parties quite early on. They'll understand there's likely to be a fair amount of political heat and light. Our experience dealing with a number of global regimes over the years is that probably the best thing the parties can do is to try and engage early with regulators and with government to sometimes things that could become big issues if they're sort of left and sprung on the government at the last minute can be eased by sort of early and and kind of quiet interaction with the relevant departments to make sure that they're comfortable that there aren't concerns and that the deal will actually operate for the benefit of the country rather than to its detriment.
1: Oh well, thank you Ross. Once again thank you both and thanks everyone for listening. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or would like to continue the discussion.
0: Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McCartley. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at readsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher and reedsmith.com.
3: Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.